Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks, and I am briefly returning for this special episode in which I detail some events where someone didn't pay me and I thought that the whole process might be useful if you're a photographer, if you're a filmmaker, to be honest, any kind of freelance role, someone's not paying up, what do you do? It can be confusing, there's a minefield of problems that you face. So I'm gonna go through the issue that I had and how I overcome that issue and how I would recommend that other people overcome people not paying them and a few of the options. Obviously, what worked for me might not work for you, but I'll go through some other options as well. And hopefully, if you're in the pretty shitty situation of someone refusing to pay you, you can get them to cough up some hard cash. Now, I will mention that the podcast will be returning in November of this year, so we will be back, and back slightly differently. We're going to be doing seasons rather than continuous podcasts. I really enjoyed the the last couple of years of doing it, but it took its toll on me. It was a lot of effort for for very little reward. So I'm going to be doing a series of 20 episodes. Half of them are going to be the traditional interview format. I will be doing it via Zoom. I'm going to try and do more in-person because I love the in-person interviews and get to the crux of what they enjoy about nature and the natural world. But also, those 10 interviews will all have a central theme. So that theme could be women in conservation, it could be wildlife photographers, it could be the colour blue, there'll be some loose theme connecting those 10 episodes. The other 10 episodes we're going to have a little bit of fun with and I've imaginatively called it Jack Does Stuff. I was originally going to go something like Jack's Adventures but I thought that sounded a bit wanky. So Jack Does Stuff is pretty much what it says on the tin. I'm going to be going out and doing stuff. So it might be that I go moth trapping or bat detecting, I might go fly fishing, I might go ferreting, I don't know, some kind of interesting outdoor pursuit. Sometimes I'll be on my own, sometimes I'll be joined with someone who's passionate about that particular hobby, and we'll get to the nitty gritty of why they do it and some of the interesting aspects of it. I will also remind you that I've still got my buy me a coffee and there is a link down below, so if you can donate to that, uh, obviously, might not be a podcast out for a while, but anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. I recommend three squid, but whatever you can cough up is great stuff. Now let's get to the crux of today's episode. What to do if someone owes you money? So I feel like it's probably best if I just detail what happened, what job I did, all that kind of stuff, and then you get a better context for it all. I'm not going to name the person and I'm going to talk about name and shaming later on in the podcast because, you know, we'll go, we'll talk about that later. So I'm not going to name them by their actual name, but for the purposes of when I'm referring to the person, let's just call them Nob, for example. We'll use Nob. So Nob asked me to do a online Zoom talk in November 2020. So that's how long ago that they asked me to do this. And I only recently, spoiler alert, they did pay me in the end. We'll get to that. But it took 19 months for them to pay me, which is a ridiculous amount of time to uh, make someone wait for money, particularly for the grand sum of 90 quid. Now, I know some of you might be like, 
bloody hell, Jack, are you that tight that you're chasing people for 90 quid? Any money is, you know, is well, that's owed, I will chase people for. It's the principle for one thing, but also if I do a job, I expect to get fucking paid. So the, the total of it is irrelevant, really. If you do a job, you get paid for said job. Anyway, let's just bring it down a notch there. I'm trying not to get too heated during this. So I did two Zoom talks for Nob. One of them that they paid me, and I've known Nob for a few years. We've been on trips together. I considered them a an acquaintance. When we weren't best mates, but you know, I got on with them. I didn't have any negative thoughts towards Nob. But um, I did this second talk. Fine, went went all right. They charged people to see that talk as well. So they got money for that talk, but I didn't see that for a while. Now, in my eyes, if I was hosting an event and the speakers were on that, I would make sure that the speakers got paid first, then I would take money. So any money that you made from tickets, that would go to the speakers first. Now, I don't, I can't remember there being lots of people in it, and I can't remember what he charged. I could probably find that out, but it wasn't a huge amount. But whatever it was, that should have gone to me, and then if it, if it didn't make 90 quid, he should have topped that up. That's not how it went. Anyway, January the following year, the 11th of January 2021, was the first reminder. This is the email that Nob sent back to me. Hiya Jack, apologies mate, hope, you're too, hope you are too well. We're a little stressed right now, having refunded a load of residential workshops due to COVID and no sign of being able to reschedule before autumn in reality. Hit a major cash flow for a few weeks. Hmm. As soon as sorted, mate, you're first on the list. Sorry, I know you're probably in a similar boat, pal. So, a couple of things to unpack there. Why did you ask me to do the talk if you were expecting this? Because I guess it was during COVID, so he would have known that things were a stretch. Don't ask someone to do something if you can't pay them, would be my first, my first reply. But also, uh, it was kind of frustrating that they didn't, message me and tell me that. I had to tease it out of him, so I messaged him. My reply was, I can appreciate that, it's tough for us all. Would have been nice for you to just message me rather than me having to ask. Hope the ball gets rolling again for you soon. So it's all rather jovial at the minute. I'm not too worried. It's only a few months overdue, which, uh, and I'll talk about this again later on as well. To be honest, being a freelancer, payments overdue is nothing new, but 19 months is a stretch. Generally, up to three months is just the norm for a lot of payments. So we left it at that. Fast forward a year, a year after that reminder. Now I, generally, I'm pretty good on keeping on top of who owes what. And my process is that when someone, obviously I've done the job, I send the invoice and then you wait 30 days. Now in the UK, the law is that once you've done that job, they have to pay you within 30 days unless you've stated in a contract that it's longer. But obviously most of us won't do that. Even if you don't have on your invoice, pay within 30 days. That's the law. So there's no way around it. I would always recommend that you have that on your invoice. But that is the law. So I wait 30 days and then I send a reminder, generally speaking. This is my kind of process for that sort of thing. I'll send a little reminder. I might even send the invoice again. And I'll just say something like, uh, could you let me know when the payment is due? So relatively nice because, again, sometimes people are off work. Sometimes people forget to send things. So if it's a month overdue, I'm not really sweating it. A lot of companies, if I want to be cynical, like to cook the books a little bit and they'll try and hold off paying you as long as I can. But that's not everyone, but that's what some of them do. After two months, 
I'll then send another email and I'll put something along the lines of, the payment is now a month overdue, could you please give me an update on its progress? So a little bit, not aggressive, but a bit sterner. Once it's three months overdue, I'll put something along the lines of, it's now been three months since I completed the work and sent the invoice off, but haven't received the money. Could you please get this paid? So a lot kind of, again, it doesn't pay you to get aggressive in emails when chasing money, but you can certainly let your frustration be known. Now, it might be that whatever they reply will influence how you reply back. So just bear that in mind. But that would be my kind of first step is anyway, the first three months of that sort of thing. But obviously in this case, we're well over that. We're a year overdue. The reason that I was a year overdue was this one slipped the net for me, which is irrelevant. They should pay me whether I chase them or not. But because I knew Nob and because um, it was a relatively small amount of money, I, I wasn't chasing as heavily. So I looked on my finances and at the time I was in my overdraft. So I was struggling for money. It's very much feast and famine being a wildlife photographer, I would say, and cameraman, that I've either got a pretty healthy bank account or there's bugger all in it. And at the time, uh, I was in the minus. So every penny counted. So I messaged Rob on the 2nd of February, 2022. And I put, hello, Rob. Did you ever pay me for this talk? I only ask as I'm in a cash flow hole myself and following up on late payments. Jack. I thought, well, rather than go through my bank account, I'll just ask him. Nob replied, oh, balls. No, mate. So sorry. Hope things aren't too serious. We'll get you paid ASAP, mate, to hopefully ease things. Apologies for completely forgetting. That is bloody bad of me. Take care and chat very soon. Yes, it is very bad of you, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, it might not come to any shock that that payment did not come. I also, just to be sure, I sent another email saying, have you still got my details or do I need to send anything? They put, send them again, please, be on the safe side. So again, it's all... You know, I'm annoyed, but we've not burnt any bridges just yet. On the 13th, so this is now a week and a bit later, I've put, can you get, can you please sort this payment out? And that was it. And then again, on the 21st of February, I put, this is taking the mick now. Can you get this payment sorted? I then got this email. Hi, Jack. We'll sort as soon as I can. Sorry we've had something of a disaster at home. Whilst I was away leading a COVID cancelled trip, uh, not what you want when you're 450 miles away. Storm has ripped the extension roof back, now dealing with home insurance and builders who jump through hoops to get things started. Insurers saying have to get work done, then claim back, so I won't be able to pay immediately, I'm afraid, as I'd hope to pay you as soon as I paid myself this month. I'll keep you posted and will honestly settle as soon as I have the funds now. I'm dreading to see what the builders' quotes are going to be. I'll update you more as soon as I'm back Monday. Now, at this point, there was a storm in February and they did send some pictures, but I mean, I don't know that's their house. I'm sure it did happen. I'm not accusing them of lying, but I'm just saying sending pictures is not necessarily evidence. If it had a picture of, of them next to it, um, then that would have been a bit better. And at this point, some of you might be like, Jack, you're really bloody heartless. This person's gone through COVID and now their house is blew down. I mean, when it rains, it fucking pours for this person. But at the end of the day, I'm not asking for 20 grand. It's 90 quid. You're telling me that in 19 months, they've not been out for a beer, they've not had a meal or a takeaway or no luxurious expense in the last 19 months that they could have gone without and used that to pay me? I don't think so. I think it's unacceptable. 
I think it's completely unacceptable. And the lack of communication is one of the things that really pissed me off. Like Again, if they'd have come to me saying, look, I've got these issues, can we give it a bit more time? I'd, I'd probably been a, a little bit more understanding, but it's the fact that I've literally had to chase them to get these answers out of them. I should point out as well that I did offer them to pay half one month and half the following month. So I feel like I was pretty fair in that respect. I mean, if you boil it down, it's £4.60 a month. I mean, you can't get a pint of beer for that now, so breaking it down is not too difficult. They also, in that past year, have continued to do workshops and make money. So, you know, if they got in touch and said, look, we're on our arse, uh, we've got absolutely nothing, then I'd probably just be like, yeah, whatever, let's just call it a loss. But that didn't happen. So for those of you that feel like I'm maybe a little bit cold and unfeeling, I'm not. It's just there comes a point when you've got to roll your sleeves up and go, I'm not being taken advantage of. Give me my fucking money. So I wrote an email. I shown this to my wife. She said, you can't use that word. You can't say that. You need to change that. So anyway, we ended up agreeing on this email, which was, I'm sorry to hear this and understand that the damage must have created a financial burden. However, the invoice is almost a year overdue. In fact, at this point, it's over a year. And like any company providing a service, I do need to be paid. As a self-employed freelancer yourself, I'm sure you understand this. Please send over my fee of £90 at your earliest convenience. Now, what I shouldn't have put there is earliest convenience, because that's that's very vague. Uh, but any, anyway, two months later, nothing. I put any chance of my payment, no email. I then also put another email a month after that saying, I'm hoping we can get this sorted soon. Here's the invoice again in case you've lost the previous one. I'll be seeking court action in the small claims, if not paid within 30 days. I'll be claiming interest on this also for the court fees, expenditure getting to court, loss of income, etc, etc. Anyway, they just blanked me at this point. They just decided, you know what, uh, we're not going to answer the emails. And that really, really, really made me mad. I was like, this is ridiculous. This person is just expecting me to go away. So you're all caught up, more or less, anyway. There's a little bit more to it, and we'll get to that. But what do you do? You're in this situation. You've done this job. The person has agreed to pay you, but they're not paying you. So what can you do? Well, earlier, I mentioned name and shame, and that was one of my first kind of initial thoughts. So I put something on social media. I didn't name Nob, but I basically just said, this is a situation. Has anyone got any advice? And people were incredibly helpful. There were lots and lots of suggestions on there. So it can be useful to do that. Obviously, you can just do your own research, but I just thought that would be a little bit easier. The trouble is, Nob doesn't have that many followers. So I feel like it's not going to cause them that much of an inconvenience because they're not a big deal, if you like. If I did a job for, let's say for argument's sake, Chris Packham, and he refused to pay me, that would cause him far more issues because he's a big name, he's in the public eye, and if he didn't pay me, that's going to look very bad on them. Likewise, if it's a big company, if it's, let's say, the Wildlife Trust or the RSPB, and they're taking their sweet-ass time to pay me, if I then out them on social media, again, that can often result in a quick solution, because they don't want the negative publicity. So name and shaming only really works if they're a bigger company, but you also have to think about dragging your name in the mud a little bit because it can get bloody messy if you do start naming and shaming people and people start flinging shit back and forth at each other. So I think it can be an option, 
but think about it. I think that when I was mad, I was ready to do it. And then when I calmed down and thought about it, I thought, you know what? This isn't really the option. But what a lot of people suggested, basically, was to send emails. Now, I'd been doing that. I'd been sending emails for uh, over a year at this point. So the emailing wasn't working. Now, you can step this up a notch. And this is what a few... In fact, if people listen to Into the Wild, uh, Ryan Dalton suggested this, and a few people did, which is pestering. So essentially, you email every day. If you have their phone number, you phone call them every day. You leave messages. You just keep going for it. You could even set it on automated if you wanted to. And eventually, for some people, they'll just get pissed off and they'll do it. But pestering costs you nothing. If you've got their address, send them letters. You know, And you could even turn up at their door. Obviously, this could get potentially confrontational, so just think about that. But often, you can kind of shame people into coughing up the dough. So pestering would be potentially my first option. If you need to ramp things up, and this is the one that I went down, it's a letter before action. So a letter before action is basically what it says on the tin. It's a document, you can find templates online for this, and it's a letter that you send to the person who owes you the money, and it's basically saying, look, this is what you owe me. Here is the evidence that you've agreed to do that job. So keep all the relevant correspondence, uh, proving that they've agreed to pay you a specific amount and also that they're satisfied with the job that you've done. Because often some of these slimy bastards will get out of paying you by saying, oh, well, I they didn't do the job adequately. And in fact, one of my friends, um, he's a, a joiner and he said that he's got out of doing uh, paying people by saying that, which is a fucking shitty thing to do. So make sure that they've like said, oh, well done, you know, that they've, they've made sure that you've had a good job. If you do agree on the phone, always follow up with an email. If they've said, I'm going to pay you this amount or I'm going to pay you at this time, always send an email and get them to agree to what you've said on the phone. I'm always weary when people want to talk on the phone because obviously there's no paper trail with that. So emails, uh, messages, WhatsApp, anything like that, it's all legally binding in court. So make sure you've got that written down somewhere. So I printed off the invoice, I printed off uh, all the correspondence, and I printed off this letter before action basically saying, uh, if you do not pay me within 14 days, I will take you to court. And you can't take someone to court without sending a letter before action first. So if we go to court, I'd have to do this anyway. Chances are, most people pay when they get the letter. And luckily, in my case, Nob decided to avoid court and they paid me. But I feel like if I hadn't sent that letter before action, they definitely would not have paid me. I think that just made it very real for them. It was all cyber, ones and zeros, emails and whatever. But when they physically got that letter and they're reading it, they're thinking, shit, I better do this. Because if you go to court, you'll end up paying a lot more. They'll have to pay uh, your expenses. They'll have to pay the court fee. It's £35 for up to 90 quid if they owe you. And I think it's, uh, let me just double check, if it's up to 500, it's 50 quid. So basically, if someone owes you 500 or less, it's worth going through the small claims court, essentially. So anything like that. So let, And you also charge 8% interest per month that they've not paid you. So it was gonna be a few hundred quid, basically, by the end of it. So I think they thought, well, look, let's just pay this now. A bit like a road, you know, when you get caught for in a, not speeding, I've never been caught for speeding. What's the other one? 
when you go down a bus lane, if you pay it straight away, you pay 30 quid rather than 60. And I think that was their rationale. Like, okay, let's just pay him now so I don't pay more later. Because essentially, they didn't have a leg to stand on. Now, um, it's at this point I should also give a huge shout out to BLM Law. So Jules Cox, who's a listener, he's also a, a wildlife photographer, um, was very, very helpful with advice. And he also put me on to um, Alex, who works at the firm. I can't remember his last name. But they were incredibly helpful on wording the letter before action, making it look very professional um, and just general advice. In this case, it was not worth going through a solicitor because a solicitor is going to cost you anywhere from two to 400 quid, which obviously is more money than um, than I'm owed. I would highly recommend, though, that you go through a solicitor if you are owed, let's say, a thousand pounds, two thousand, etc., because they're going to chase that person relentlessly and obviously be able to do things that you might struggle to do on your own. So if you're owed a lot of money, definitely go for a solicitor. And uh, although I, we didn't end up using them, uh, BLM Law were fantastic. This sounds like it's sponsored by them. It's not. I'm just saying that they were very good and very, very, uh, very good to me. So I'd, I would recommend them if I get into this problem again. Hopefully, I never will get into this problem again. But they were absolutely fantastic. So when you send the letter, send it recorded delivery, because this means that that letter is handed directly to that person, and you have a paper trail to prove that they got that letter. Because again. Chances are, if they don't want to pay you, they'll find dodgy-ass fucking ways of avoiding it. And they'll go, oh, well, I didn't get that letter. Or, oh, that letter must have been destroyed by the fucking dog or something. So if you've got it recorded delivery, they are literally handed the letter. And you can say, well, look, the po- you know, going through this, the postman handed it you. You signed for it. You got that. So always do that as well. Lo and behold, the following day, Nob decided to email me. And they basically said, look, I'll pay you in 10 days. Why the fuck they just... I mean, I just kind of see that as a final fuck you, to be honest. Like, why didn't you pay me straight away? But anyway, they did. To my utter shock and and surprise, they did actually pay me 10 days later. And um, they asked for a receipt. They said, can you confirm that you got the payment? And And my reply was, payment received. That is the last that I will ever have to do with them. Funnily enough, I got talking to other people that have worked with them Everyone seems to have a story. So it just goes to show when you think you know someone and then their true colours kind of come out. You know, I'm not completely unsympathetic. They've had some hard times. But at the same time, just just pay what you're owed. You know what I mean? Don't be a dick about it. So that was basically the story of, of that. So what would I do going forward? And what would I recommend that you all do? I've changed my, my process, really. Firstly... Any job under £100 now, I ask for payment up front. Because it's not worth me chasing someone for months for 50 quid here, uh, 80 quid there, 90 quid, whatever. So anything under £100, I now insist on being paid before I've done the job. Now, of course, you could adjust this to what you want. It might be for you, you know what, any job under 250 any job under 500 whatever. You'll probably find that the higher the number, the harder it will be to get people to pay up front. But that's what I'm doing now. I'm not accepting anything unless I get paid up front. And it just means that then I'm not chasing someone for small amounts of money. So that's the first thing. Keep a record of all the money that's owed and when it's owed. I was already doing this, but I'm obviously going to be a little bit tighter with that. So as soon as someone, oh, as soon as you send the invoice, that's the thing. You've done the work, you send the invoice, wait for 30 days and then follow it up and be pretty meticulous on that. I would include on your invoice as well, 
30 days to be paid on the date of the invoice and 8% interest as well for every month that it's late. Definitely have that on there. And if they read that, that'll probably give them the spooks a little bit. I mean, you could even, in the email that's attached to the invoice, you could just say, just so that you're aware, um, you have 30 days to pay this invoice. Every month that it's overdue, you will be charged 8% interest. And often, if that is in the email of the invoice, um, companies will sometimes be like, right, there are some people we can take the piss with and there are some people that we need to pay. And if they see that, it just kind of shows that you mean business. Because like I said earlier, to be honest with you, getting paid late is nothing new. Always get paid late. After a month, uh, I don't sweat too much, just follow it up like I said. And to be fair, anywhere up to three months, I'm still relatively calm. Beyond three months, I'm getting quite annoyed. Now, you've got, you're well within your rights to go to court after three months. For me, it would depend who the client is, why they're taking so long to pay me, how much money they owe me, am I intending to work with them again? Do I really want to take them to court when I could work with them again in the future? I don't necessarily want to burn that bridge. So you do have to be diplomatic with it, but just think about it. If they're taking, to pit, uh, taking the piss, then you take their ass to the cleaners. Because, you know, the way I look at it as well, 90 quid, relatively small amount of money, but hopefully they won't do this to someone else in the future. I mean, they probably will. But they're like, you know what? Um, this has kind of given me a bit of a comeuppance because there are consequences, obviously, for, for doing this. If we'd gone to court and I would have won, that would have affected their credit rating. Because if they'd gone to court because they've not paid something, then that might affect them getting a mortgage or a loan in the future. And nothing else, it burns bridges. I'm never going to recommend that photographer to anyone else in my life. So you never know what job's down the line. Potentially, I might have said, oh, so-and-so would be perfect for that. But I'm not going to do that now. And generally speaking, I am quite subtle how I get people back. I I know there's the forgive and forget. I don't forgive and I don't forget. <laughs> I've got a very long memory and I'm a bitter man. So if someone does wrong me, I always make sure I get them back some way or, or down the line. You know, and I've had it in the past where uh, there was another photographer, for example, who really pissed me off. I can't remember what it was about now. I think they were slagging me off behind my back. Someone who I trusted told me they were doing that. So they, uh, I then got asked to do a job for, um, I can't remember if it was a BBC or something. It was a big job anyway. And they needed another photographer. And they would have been perfect. But I thought, well, fuck them. I'm not giving them this work because they're an absolute prick. And I gave it to someone else. So they'll never know that. They'll never know that they got they missed out on an amazing opportunity. So that's generally how I work. Behind the shadows, I'm like Varys from Game of Thrones. I tend to kind of work a little bit more, uh, more like that. But what other ways, obviously, can you can you get them back? There's the ratings. So if they are a big company with workshops or, or whatever, you can go onto Trustpilot, Google Reviews, and you can leave a bad review. I know that sounds kind of like very Karen-esque, but it does affect them. Everyone looks at the bad reviews. No one gives a fuck about the five stars. You look at the one stars. And if you were going to work with a company and it said, this person refused to pay me, you'd think about it, wouldn't you? So I do think that, unfortunately, Knob doesn't have Trustpilot or Google Reviews, which might have been um, a little bit telling in uh, in essence. And there is the other uh, case, of course, that it might not be worth pursuing. A lot of people, and I was surprised by this, a lot of people said, look, just chalk it up to a loss. Don't worry about it. It's only 90 quid. 
from my eyes, it's the principle, but also I did need that money. But I understand that, you know, it's my time, it's my effort, and it's the stress that it causes going after this. Is it worth it in the long run? Sometimes it might not be, but I guess that depends on the individual. But in this time, you know, I did get the I did get the money back. So that, that worked quite well. But when I mentioned the principle, you know, this person's clearly just thought, if I ignore them, they're not going to chase me. I'm not going to have to pay that. And that really pisses me off. I guess because I'm... Uh, I think of myself as a decent human being. I would never wrong someone for no reason or I would never fuck someone over or, or stand over someone else for my own betterment. I'm not that kind of person. So when someone does it to me, I'm a little bit in shock and taken aback. And that's why I'm a little bit like a rag on a bone to kind of give them the comeuppance. And I'll give you an example of a story. I'm going off on a tangent slightly, but we will circle back. So last year I went to a musical with my wife, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Great musical, loved it. So you dress up for that. So my wife was dressed as Fay Ray from King Kong, and I dressed as King Kong because in one of the songs they mention him. It's an obscure reference, but we decided to go for it. So we went into Nottingham City Centre, we got out the taxi, and I'm dressed as a, as a, as a big gorilla, basically. My wife's in, in fancy dress with two of her friends. And the, the, the theatre is 500 yards walk. So we got out, we walked up, walked 100 yards and a gang of lads walked by and I don't give a shit, I'm not, I don't care how I look but one of them decides to butt into me and they elbow me and I'm not hurt but I'm just taken back a bit so I take the monkey mask off and I'm like, you know, reptile mode, fight or flight and I'm like, I'm going to kick the shit out of this dude I'm not aggressive, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a lanky streak of piss but I'm, I'm going to kick the shit out of this dude and then we were already 10 minutes late for the musical my wife's just like, look, we we need to get going. Don't worry about it. So I, I left it. I calmed down and I left it. But there's two trains of thought there, and it's kind of similar to this, and this is what I'm getting at. There's the one train of thought that that little scroty piece of shit that, that knocked into me thinks they can get away with being an arsehole. And chances are that if the shit was kicked out of him by a six-foot gorilla, that would probably take him down a notch. And it would mean that later in the night... He's probably not going to be grabbing some girl's ass or bothering some other person in the corner because he's a bit deflated. But likewise, do I want to get into a fight with someone? He could have a knife. His friends could gang, in, uh, gang up on me and kick the crap out of me. Do I really want to get beaten up over essentially nothing? There's two ways of looking at it. And that's kind of how I viewed this situation in that, do I just let it go? Do I forget about it? That's the end of it. Or do I let this person get away with essentially being a bit of a cunt? And I wasn't having that. And, you know, in this case, it's worked out. I've got my money back. After this podcast, I'll forget about them and I'll never have anything to do with them uh, again. But hopefully some of the information in this has kind of helped you think about what you would do if you're in this situation. But to summarise it, here's what I would say anyway. If it's a low amount of money... Ask them to pay it up front. Keep a record of what's owed and when it's owed and follow up on the month after that. Once it gets to three months, think about whether you need to potentially take them to court and mention that you're thinking about doing that. Keep a dialogue going. It's the law that you need to be paid within 30 days, but chuck that on your invoice anyway and have 8% interest per month 
left over. Make sure that you keep all the relevant correspondence to prove that you've done the work, to prove that they've agreed to pay you and the specific amount they've agreed to pay you and that they're satisfied with the job that you've done. Assess the client as they come in. Are they a company? Are they an individual? Ask friends who might have worked for them. Chances are a big organisation like the RSPB is going to be a relatively smooth, well-oiled machine. But if it's just some random-ass person who's asking you to photograph something in their garden, that's where the problems could potentially arise. So know when to turn work down. Because every now and again, I'll get some random person asking me to do something, and I'm like, that smells... It's not that I don't think they'll pay me, but I can see potential problems, and it's not worth the hassle for me to do that. You could go down the name and shame route, as we've talked about, but just think about it. Do you want to get dragged into the mud? Is it really going to do any damage to them? Maybe just a negative review on Trustpilot or Google might very well help do that. If all else fails, start pestering them, then send your letter before action. Uh, you can buy templates, you can find free templates. And in this case, it obviously cost me very little money because I didn't have to go through a solicitor. But eventually, uh, I could have had to end up going to the small claims court 35 quid in my case, but I feel like I almost certainly would have won that case. I wasn't too worried. But Smalls Claims Court generally is the answer for most of it. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I know it's been a bit ranty and I've been waffling on long enough now. I'll see you all back in November. There may very well be a podcast or two in between now and then uh, if anything interesting comes up. And hopefully you don't get into this situation that I've got into if someone owes you money. But this has been the Bearded Tits podcast. I've been your host, Jack Perks, and I'll see you all in November. Cheers.